Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer, Steven Serta. Final best of the week before the Chiefs kick off the NFL season on Thursday, September 7th against the Detroit Lions. Playing and get you caught up on from cutdown week. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride editor show. They previewed Tuesday's roster cutdown. And then on Tuesday, I joined Matt Stagner and Maurice Elston on a special edition of Out of Structure, live reacting to the Chiefs' initial 53-man roster. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast, reacting to Brett Beach's comments after the Chiefs went through the waiver period on Wednesday and finalized their 53-man roster, at least for now. And then we will wrap things up with Show and BK, just airing it all out with Chiefs defensive lineman Chris Jones, as we're still hopeful he'll be available week one but that seems like it is seriously in doubt at the moment that's all coming up on today's arrowhead pride best of the week all right we did three projections john uh, um during the preseason we were wondering if we were going to get to four or five i ended up getting four i, I probably could have done one before the last preseason game but i just got to a point where i didn't think much was changing so i didn't want to just do mm-hmm. one for the yeah. sake of doing one so we have one final one up today i put it up at eleven twenty-five a.m arrowhead time and this is a sort of a, a preview for what we're expecting tomorrow i know for sure uh that this will not be correct uh, i know that for sure there's there just and as we'll describe here there's just too many moving parts i think even maybe more so this year than other years john where it's like a little mm-hmm. unclear yeah. what the procedural moves are going to be you don't know who right. the chiefs are going to be interested in uh, every other team that's something that happens each and every year, but there are certainly some weaker spots. Right? Like you think about the defensive end room right now. Is there someone in the league that is so good that it pushes somebody else out? We're not going to consider you know, the other 31 teams. We're only working off the Chiefs list right here. So it's, uh, John, I could describe it as like it's pretty convoluted th- this year when it comes to like a, how the actual roster shapes out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's There are a lot of moving parts to this, but, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to it every season. Uh, I, I think that this one may be, may be a little more than most, but predicting the final 53 correctly is much like, you know, getting the final four right mm. if you're in an NCAA pool in March. It's just, it's just nearly impossible. And um, so we do our best, and we often come pretty close to it. And so uh, pay attention to what Pete has put together here, because I think it, it probably is pretty close to how it's going to play out. Some of the details may be different, but uh, I think we've got the, the basic outlines right. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's start it here with the offense. I, I ended up keeping 26 offensive players. This can vary it's usually in the 24 to 26 range. The way the Chiefs roster is kind of shaped out. I have 26 here. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they, they drop one of these guys and go 25, 25, because there is a case to be made on the defensive side of the football. But in the quarterback room, I have Patrick Mahomes. Of course, I have Blaine Gabbert and Shane Bouchelle. I'm keeping three quarterbacks here. I asked Andy Reid after the game about how the emergency quarterback rule would impact this decision. And I thought his answer was interesting because I figured he would be in the side of, well, that is such an advantage. But he kind of left it open for discussion. He said that him and Brett Feature could have to count the numbers here. So I do think there's a non-zero percent chance that the Chiefs just forego this emergency quarterback. And, you know, for me, I was all in on Shane Bouchelle, but man, he could not have played worse on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. So now it's 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 going to be Gabbard. I, I, I think the Chiefs are just going to go with the safe option there. The, 
the Michelle option was intriguing. And when he was going for 10 for 10 for you know, buck change and doing the scramble 15 yard for the, the touchdown, you feel like, okay, there's too much upside to ignore, but then you have the next preseason game and it's a, and it's a hard reminder that in a backup, you might want to go safer than someone that, you know, is unproven in a sense, doesn't have the, the miles under their belt, so to speak. But I, I think at the end, as they're counting up these numbers, John, they say to themselves, the, the emergency quarterback is too valuable. Again, that rule is if in this example, Mahomes and Gabbert were to go down in a game, they don't have to dress Bouchelle on the active list. They can dress other players, but he only becomes available due to injury of the first two guys. This, this going back to that 49er situation last year. So I got three quarterbacks. Right. Um, I, you know, I also agree that I think it's going to be too hard for the Chiefs to ignore the um, that aspect of it, that there's this new rule. History suggests when Reed was in Philadelphia and in all those years, he was in almost all of the years he was in Philadelphia, there was a version of that rule on the books in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And in most of those seasons, Reed had three quarterbacks on his active roster. And that's what leads me to believe that that's how he'll approach it this year. But, you know, the the mystery here is what if they need space for one of these other players? What if they want to push it to eight wide receivers? And this is the only way you can do it. Um, I And I and I agree with you that Buchel really looked fantastic a week ago Saturday and then looked bad on this, uh, this two days ago. But... That's kind of indicative of the kind of player he is. You know, we don't really get enough sample size in these preseason games to really get a sense of what Buchel would really look like in the regular season. And, you know, we've seen Patrick Mahomes play badly over short periods of time. And we've also seen him play great over short periods of time, more often than badly, of course. But we don't get enough sample size to really get that out of Buchel. And I and I wonder, some would say that Buchel shows more upside. And maybe that's the case. It's just hard to know. And the Chiefs are probably in a better position to make that judgment. So these are all the things that are going to go into this decision. And um, we'll, it'll be fascinating to see how the Chiefs do it. Yeah, I just think I think Buchel needed to follow up the performance against Arizona with a good performance against sure. Cleveland. Yeah, and mm-hmm. part of the problem too was they only got a handful of of snaps in the series with the what would be the starters, and then it was basically the twos against the Browns once. The Browns were giving them guy their their guys some more run. And right. Look, you know, part of that was you saw the difference, you know, the second team of the Cardinals against and and the first team NFL team that is the Browns. I just. I don't know. It, it's a shame because I, I think Bouchelle really actually did make it a competition, but just couldn't follow through with a solid enough performance in that third game. And yeah, as you're mentioning, maybe if there was a fourth game, they could give everybody another look and maybe it was an outlier, but just they don't have that luxury. And I think you got to go with the safe player. Sure. Uh, I do think all three players are on the roster though. I, I maintain that, I, but it, it Andy Reid did leave it a little bit more open than I, I thought it might be. All right. Running backs. Uh, we keep four here. Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and LaMichael Pirine, who really came on in the middle of the camp. We had had said, and I was incorrect about this, that Deneric Prince was a near lock for the 53-man roster. It just seemed that way. I, it really did. Heading into training camp, especially at the beginning of camp, he was getting all of the second-team reps behind what was Clyde Edwards-Alaire because Isaiah Pacheco was wearing that yellow non-contact jersey for a long time. But uh, 
Well, Michael Piron, it, it seems, has done more when it comes to playbook retention. I, I wrote pass protection, and, and it seems like Andy Reid really likes his vision. He is further ahead than uh, Daneric Prince. I think the Chiefs still like Daneric Prince. I think he's probably going to be on the practice squad, but I think LaMichael Pirine gets the nod. And there is an alternate here where I think there's two options for the running back room. They're keeping three, and it'll be Pacheco, McKinnon, and Edwards Alaire, or they're keeping four with Pirine in the mix. I don't, I don't see another scenario where a Jerry and E-League breaks through or Prince. And, you know, unfortunately for him, I, I think it's Pirine or three running backs. And I would point out that I don't think there's a scenario where Edward Zelaire is not on the team. Yeah. Um, I, I know a lot of fans uh, think that that could happen, um, but you don't have it that way. And I don't have it that way either. Uh, I think the chiefs like Edward Zelaire. Um, they've given him a lot of work in the preseason. They've given him a lot of work in training camp. There's just been no indication that they don't really want to keep him around. Um, you know, he has not been what you would want to see from a first round draft pick. There's no argument about that, but he has been an adequate running back for this team and, and certainly adequate enough to fulfill a backup role, which is what he's going to have in 2023. I think he's actually essentially the number two running back. He's going to be the guy that's going to get the majority of snaps. If Pacheco is not available on a given day. McKinnon is always going to be the 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 guy who comes in on third down uh, and, and be that pass catching back out of the backfield. And the, Perrine is just going to be the guy who gets some work and, and develops, I think. The, the the truth when it comes to Edwards Alaire, and, and I understand that you can make a case how oh, they were featuring him in the preseason. I, I agree. But there were so many reps that he took at training camp and practices. That, you know, right. after training camp, it's like you're not giving this guy this many reps at practice if you're just trying to trade him. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's on the team, uh, and and there's a zero percent chance he's just straight up cut. Like, if you want to say, well, yeah, they're going to trade him first. Yeah, maybe if they can't find a trade partner, he's on the team. Like, they're not just like getting rid of Edwards Alaire. I, I, that's that's yeah. just like an honest scenario that's happening. No fullbacks. Um, never had a fullback on the offseason roster. Mike Burton uh, becomes the final fullback for Andy Reid. It seems like ever. So he has that honor as he you know, plays the Chiefs now as a member of the Denver Broncos. Wide receivers, I'm I'm still keeping seven. Kadarius Tony, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Skymore, Justin Watson, Richie James, Rasheed Rice, and Justin Ross. I know that I'm leaving a, a big name off that list now in Amir Smith Marset, who had just a fantastic preseason. This one hung me up. And uh, again, I think it, this is just a tough exercise because you're you're trying to assume, well, these receivers are so good, somebody in the league is gonna want them and they'll trade somebody. I know a lot of fans, much to like Clyde, want it to be Justin Watson and you keep Amir Smith-Marset. Um, but you just can't assume that another team is going to be interested. And I just don't think the Chiefs are, are cutting the $1.4 million that is, that is due to Justin Watson. And here's another thing. He's been the third receiver with the first team the entire camp. Kadarius Tony mm-hmm. has been injured. It's been Marquez Valdez, Gantling, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson. And if you notice the other day, he came off the field pretty quickly, which usually in that final game indicates that he's a starter on the team. And so... I think this is it. I think Amir Smith-Marset is, is – I don't think we're going out on a limb here and saying that he'll be claimed if, if the Chiefs try to get him on the practice squad. I don't think that's an option for them. So that that is hanging me up in this room. I'm also wondering, as I have been the entire time, is Kadarius Tony just making the team to go on IR? Andy Reid 
uh, used the dreaded term day to day the other day when it came, <laughs> it comes to uh, KT. So um, a lot of question marks for this room. I'm, I'm not, I'm not as confident with, with what I've, I've come up with simply because I think there's a lot of directions the chiefs can go in. Yeah. Uh, our Jared Sapp wrote a really nice piece on the, on arrowheadpride.com this morning about the, players that have been released or actually waived by the chiefs on final cutdown day and have been picked up by other teams. And then he went through, uh, you know, the, the likelihood that different players uh, would be uh, picked up by another teams if the chiefs waive them uh, tomorrow. And he made the point with Smith Marset that this is a player who was available for most of the season last year to the rest of the league. Right. And yes, he's he's put in uh, some good preseason tape. But the real question is, how much does that change an existing perception? Because the reason that he was available to the rest of the league and wasn't didn't have a job was that he's got some bad tape in actual yeah. games uh, for the Vikings and the Bears. And um, so, you know, does that preseason tape overturn that? That's an excellent question. He could end up being on the Chiefs practice squad again. And uh, we have to consider that possibility. I I agree with you that this is the thing that we have to be wondering about. Yeah, I think like my thing and I was I was surprised when I looked this up uh, during the weekend. I just looked up his age and I was just surprised to see that that was 23. I think if he was Mm -hmm. doing it, as as you're describing, you know, been with a couple teams. I think if he was doing this at the age of 26, then, yeah, I think Jared and and you're certainly onto a, a, something. The fact that he's 23 and doing this, I know he has three years in the league, but he's kind of got that juju thing going on where he's been he- around forever and is still young. And uh, I just <laughs> wonder if that pushes the Chiefs to, to make sure they protect him. I don't this is going to sound crazy, but I don't think that's like completely out of the question for them to keep eight receivers initially, especially if Kadarius Tony. Right is going to head to IR, right? Like if, if that actually is coming, maybe they do keep eight and like maybe Blake Bell, and I'm just about to talk about it. it he's a, a veteran and he's got the four years. Maybe he's released and then brought back the next day after an IR situation. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. And this is unbelievable for Andy Reid, who has never kept more than six receivers to keep eight. I, I, I think that is in somewhere in the cards, which is just wild. And I would, it'd be intriguing to see how the chiefs manage that. I was rooting for Danny Shelton. I mean, the guy, uh, you know, is again a player that I like coming out of the draft, and it hasn't really panned out to his to his full ability in the NFL. But just a mountain of a man, even after losing some weight, uh, you know, he can be can be really a force in there. And I think having a change at that nose tackle position uh, would have been would have been fun to see. Again, he's a vested veteran, so he's not waived. It doesn't he doesn't have a chance to get claimed by another team. So there's always a chance that they'll re-sign him maybe right after roster cuts, maybe after week one when those veteran salaries are no longer guaranteed and he can he can be brought in on a non-guaranteed contract uh, after that, maybe something with some incentives in it. So we'll see what happens with him. I got a feeling we haven't seen the last of him, but I, I certainly think he did everything he could to make this roster. Yeah, I'll definitely – I'll definitely – I mean, because he showed out in preseason. Like, you can see – you can see just with the little weight loss that he got, he was a little bit more fluent in his movement. Um, he played some solid games up to the game, you know, game three. But I think he really needed a strong showing there too to to probably make that 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 last push for it. But I definitely hope to see him back. Um, definitely think 
if he doesn't sign somewhere else. He, he kind of, like you said earlier, made it clear that he didn't want to be another practice squad guy. Um, but if nobody else picks him up, I'm sure he'll still come back and take that practice squad money. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I know BJ Thompson was a draft pick this year, but like him making the initial 53 is kind of a long shot player. I, I think says, says a lot about what the chiefs think about him. And, you know, he, I think he pretty much took the spot of Joshua Kando, who was another late round draft pick by the chiefs. Um, but he's a player who's just been injured a lot and has struggled to find his way onto the field. And so he's stuck around the last couple of years and actually had some nice moments in the chiefs preseason finale. But just ultimately, I think, I think that's really what it came down to is like BJ Thompson's younger. We just drafted him. He's a developmental guy. Who's got a lot of tools in like his speed rush and athleticism. And they just decided that they wanted to keep that over a guy like Joshua Kando. Want to get you guys on the record here, over under, how many players did Pete get right on his 53-man prediction 4.0? I'm going to set the over under at 48. Over or under 48 for Pete's 4.0? I'd say over. I bet he got like 49, 50. I bet there's only a couple. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to go under as well because I think there's some moves yet to come. If you compare right now with what we know so far, he had LaMichael P. Ryan on there. Uh, obviously, at this point, that's that's one down. Um, he also had Deion Bush, so that's two. Um, yeah, Shane on there. He did have Shane Bouchelle. That's three. So we're already <laughs> at 50, Serta. You, you, you might have taken the wrong side of this particular battle. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, oh well, whatever. Chiefs <laughs> made a mistake, cutting Shane Bouchelle. Any other um, surprises or intriguing players? I've got two that I'm curious to see what happens with them. I see if you guys have any last-minute predictions for uh, – maybe you all have some as well. Just players that we still don't know their fate, but it's kind of intriguing to see what happens. Uh, I'm going to start the bidding with a Nico Remigio. Uh, what do we think is going to happen – and we're pretty sure he has not made the roster as a receiver. We think we know the seven receivers that are on the roster. Uh, is this a guy that sticks around? Uh, is his injury serious enough that they could, you know, give him a redshirt year? What do you think happens with with our boy Nico? I think if they can give him a redshirt year, that would be ideal for him. Um, but I, I honestly see even if they don't get him trying to make it back to the practice squad, I think he does – had a course big game one where you know it was nice so it's obvious he ain't part of the seven that 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 made it but i think if they can get him on a red shirt year that'll probably be ideal to kind of keep him in keep him around without using up a spot for him on the practice squad so yeah yeah i i, I hope he makes it back in, in some form or fashion or sticks around in some form or fashion and i i think with him too it kind of depends on and maybe we'll learn something about this in the next 24 hours or maybe we won't. Um, but I think depending on the move, it says something, uh, but it's Kadarius Tony and the chiefs seem to be optimistic that he can play week one. But as you guys know, he got hurt on the first day of training camp. And so we, we just went an entire training camp without seeing Kadarius Tony involved at all in practice in any way. So I think him being available for week one, it would be I would be shocked if he's somehow on the field and playing for the Chiefs week one. But 
if he's not healthy yet and they think he needs more time, he is like a pup candidate. And if they put him on the pup list, he had to make the initial 53 man. But if they put him on the pup, he's going to be out the first four games of the season. So that's the Chiefs committing to saying he's not quite healthy enough for something. Not, not to fact check the assert, but uh, he won't be eligible for the pup because he practiced during training camp. Uh, but you can put him on the injured reserve list uh, okay. after the initial 53. And then they'll uh, – Short IR or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He'd be eligible to return as early as, what, four weeks? Four weeks um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, start practicing uh, pretty, pretty early on. So, um, yeah, that IR with that designation to return, I got a feeling there's a handful of candidates for that uh, on this roster. I've heard a couple names brought up that I, I wasn't expecting, like Nick Allegretti. Um, I mean, Legereus Sneed. Obviously, some guys who have been battling some injuries – uh, would be interesting to see if any of those guys end up uh, making the initial roster, but then going on uh, injured reserve as of tomorrow. Anybody who goes on injured reserve before the deadline is out for the season. So I think that's going to be a big distinction is if you see the announcement come out, we have placed so-and-so on injured reserve and it's coming out now, uh, that guy's out for the year. It's only those that make the roster today that can go on that reserve injured reserve tomorrow that actually have a chance to return. So the way they play those in those injury designations could be real interesting. Yeah. I, I think too, I'm, I'm pretty surprised uh, with the offensive line and like, I really, really thought we were going to see, and there was actually quite a few trades today, a bunch of kicker trades for some reason. I don't know what that was about, right. but, <laughs> uh, but I, I really, really thought, and I know Ron Kopp has talked about this a lot, and we've talked a lot about uh, a lot about it on Arrowhead Pride. But I mean, the Chiefs just have a lot of offensive linemen, and you know, Darian Kennard, second-year player, so maybe you don't want to move on from him. Uh, but Lucas Niang is a guy who's been around for several years, struggled to stay healthy, but has shown that he's probably an NFL offensive lineman. Like, could could net some value from somebody like a mid round pick or something like that and provide a uh, valuable offensive line depth. And Prince Sega Winogo is a guy that they seem to really like. And so, and then you factor in third round pick Wanya Morris. Like uh, I just, I, I really thought we were going to see them move an offensive lineman and I'm kind of shocked that we didn't. And that it didn't really like they, they didn't wind up like cutting one of those guys either. Cause it's just a lot of guys to carry on the roster like that. Yeah. That was my next guy I wanted to talk about was Prince Sega Winogo because he, he's really – I think he's taking a step forward this offseason. He's mm. somebody that they seem to trust as their backup left tackle. I'm not sure that they've got another guy that has shown enough as a backup left tackle uh, to make this roster. So, uh, for my money, I've been keeping Prince on this roster, and I'm trying to figure out what to do with Lucas Niang because Wani is making the team. If Prince makes the team also, I, I don't know what role or what purpose keeping Lucas Niang – uh, serves at this point. I think he'd be somebody that they should, if they haven't already, really give a strong look to trying to trade. Yeah, he's the one that I thought was going to be traded somehow. Of course, you know, Morris being drafted this year, third round, um, I, I knew that he wasn't going to go anywhere, but he didn't look too strong at left tackle yet, but he looked like he can be a viable option to be up the back of right. So then, you know, you know, Lucas Niang always kind of stayed on that right side and looked more comfortable on the right than the left as well. So that kind of locks in Prince right there for the backup at left. So Niang is really dumb. Can't, carrying five five tackles just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So 
I would definitely still probably see a, some type of move coming with, with Lucas Niang. And you would think that you can get some type of draft compensation for him. Somebody has to be looking for some depth there on the offensive line where you can get something for him. Yeah, I, I feel like those are – you see those guys get traded all the time, like for fifth-round pick or whatever. Like, Because I, I think Lucas Niang has shown enough this preseason, like – he could be a solid backup offensive lineman in the NFL or a guy that can give you some valuable reps as long as he's healthy and can stay on the field. Um, so I would think they would be able to find some value in him. But I, I think while we're still waiting for them to finalize this 53-man roster, um, uh, I think we'll see them be kind of busy over the next eight days or whatever leading up to the NFL kickoff. You got any other names that you're curious to see what happens with them that's still up in the air? The linebacker group, I'm kind of just curious of how that how how that depth is going to roll. I know I know it came out that Cam Jones was making the team, so you what you got Cochran that's that's still kind of up in the air. What they're going to do with him if he's going to make it back to the practice squad? I'm just interested to see how, what the depth positions is going to look like um, behind the starting linebackers there. And safety, Deion Bush was kind of surprised. I'm wondering if, if they're going to bring him back. So. I was actually – that was who I was thinking um, because he's a player that they really seem to like. But he is a veteran player, so he's not going to be subject to waivers, so they can bring right. him back on the practice. So he's at least one of those players that, you know, they can make a handshake deal. Like, we got to cut you right now, but we're, we got to make some transactions to bring you back later. And, and I think, you know, um, unfortunately for him, I think Chamari Connor – play in the preseason it just kind of made him expendable but not necessarily a guy that they aren't still interested in bringing back to the practice squad because Jamari Connor was on the field a lot in the preseason and Spax was using him a lot and in a lot of fun ways too so I, I think that they got more than they were necessarily expecting out of Jamari Connor and you know and then you have the veteran in Mike Edwards that they seem like they, they know they can rely on in, in a pinch if they need him to play a lot or something like that. So it was just kind of Deion Bush was just the odd man out in that safety room. Yeah, they, they typically carry 10 defensive backs, and there's a chance that they go six corners, four safeties, as opposed to going five and five. It kind of depends on, on who they like. Maybe it depends on the health of Nick Jones being that last corner. Uh, maybe there's, a, there's another guy they decide to keep there. I know they liked Anthony Cook, or what they liked what they saw from him this preseason. He was released uh, with the option to come back to the practice squad, uh, hopefully. So, but there's not a ton of other safeties in the mix for this team. So, if it if it's not Deion Bush, and if he ends up on the practice squad, then there's a decent chance they only go with four safeties, and they just have an extra corner. Um, I did think of a player uh, that got cut today that, and this is more, I don't want them to bring this player back. It's Damian Williams. Um, he got <laughs> released this afternoon and I saw a lot of people like bring him home, bring him back to, at least to the practice squad or something. Yeah. Damian Williams is done. I'm sorry. Like he's a Super Bowl hero. We'll have yeah. fond memories of him for the rest of our lives. Damian Williams is probably done in the NFL. He doesn't belong on the Chiefs roster. There's better guys out there that they can go give practice squad uh, spots to. Another one for that category is Marcus Kemp, uh, wide receiver and special teams. Uh, Marcus expert. Kemp's going to wind up on this team. <laughs> Marcus <laughs> Kemp's going to make his way back probably. I know, but come on. With all the promising young receivers they've got, do you really want to see them? Dave Tove. Dave Tove's going to be like, go get him. Go get my go guy. Go get my guy. <laughs> Dave Tobe is going to send his jet to get him. Yeah. 
So here we are at four o'clock central time, and we have yet to see anything official. Um, last year, by this time, we were we were deep in the throes of talking about who's going to be on the practice squad. Uh, there's a lot of candidates for the practice squad this year, and I think it can be particularly loaded, especially with the new practice squad rules that have come in over the last couple of years. You can have six veterans on your practice squad with unlimited amounts of experience uh, out of that 16-man t- uh, group. Uh, I think they could have a fairly loaded practice squad if some of these guys get through and end up getting signed back there with the depth of this team. Is there anybody that, uh, uh, that you're hoping for to – to continue developing on the practice squad. Um, I mean, I hope, hopefully it's echo Boydo and players like that, because I, I think it's a really underrated part of the chiefs over the last several years, but they have pr- proven that this coaching staff can really develop corners and they can find them from all over the place and get a lot out of them. So I think those guys who flashed in the preseason working their way back to the practice squad, even though the chiefs are top heavy in the cornerback room right now, um, you know, and we still don't know what's going on with LeJarrius Sneed, but I'm not optimistic LeJarrius Sneed's going to play week one uh, with that knee injury that basically held him out all the training camp. So uh, I, I just think those guys being able to get back uh, to the practice squad and have an opportunity to continue to work with the chiefs coaching staff and in that room, I think it's valuable for guys, guys like that. So we do have breaking news. The Chiefs have officially tweeted out or, or X'd out their mandated 53-man roster. 53 man roster. Uh, starting to look through this list, not a lot of big surprises on it. I think most everybody that they've waived or released have, has been uh, who you would expect to see. Uh, looking down the list, some things that are maybe a little bit surprising. Uh, we did talk about injuries uh, Nico Ramijo was waived injured. That's somebody who could revert back to IR uh, or they could give an injury settlement. Same thing with Jerome Carvin, the offensive lineman out of Tennessee. Mm. And, uh, man, I'm not even going to try with this name, but the linebacker out of Rutgers as well uh, was waived injured. Uh, they did put Chris Jones on the reserve do not did not report list. Uh, so they'll have the roster exemption for Jones at this point. Uh, and they announced the two trades in addition to the rest of their moves. As you look through this list of, uh, of players that were released uh, or or waived, is there anybody that stands out that we hadn't talked about yet? Well, they Kennard. did waive Darian Kennard. Kennard, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that that's a surprise. I mean, he, he was a late-round pick last year, and – you know, just watching him in the preseason, it just doesn't seem like he's taken any significant steps. And he wasn't active last year. Like, he, he wasn't a guy that got on the field for the Chiefs. So, I, I guess it's not a surprise when I was just talking about all the offensive line depth. And I was like, what are they doing carrying all these guys? I guess it makes sense that they released Darian Kennard. Yeah, yeah that's that's the practice squad candidate, too. somebody who could easily come back, hasn't shown enough or really anything in the NFL yet. So, I wouldn't think that other teams are, you know, really in on – on Darian Kennard at this point. Yeah, he jumps off to me, and then, of course, we finally seen the, the Bushman release it. I was waiting to see if we was going to carry four tight ends or not, so it looks like they, mm-hmm. they're going with the three the three tight ends. Uh, so I, I was I was worried that they would go three tight ends, definitely being if they, they cut out the, you know, the uh, the fullback position. Mm-hmm. So, so, of course, with jo- Jody being hurt, you was wondering if Bushman would make that leap, but he kind of had a couple of bad drops this last – this last preseason game that didn't didn't go too well for him, so it's kind of interesting there how, how how that shapes up with the kind of fullback position and no four tight end, how that's going how that's going to look. But I still think it's kind of deep. It we 
deep in defensive linemen and offensive linemen is where they kind of carry some extra bodies there that look besides the seven receiver. Yeah, I think Matt Bushman was a guy we were kind of looking out for because um, he really made a lot of plays in the preseason and, and like was really looking good in training camp. But uh, we, I mean, obviously Travis Kelsey's not going anywhere, and they're really, really high on Noah Gray and just the amount of wide receivers they were going to have to carry into the season. It was always going to be tough. And then, you know, Blake Bell is, is a guy that they're just going to keep around. Uh, yeah. He's going to keep making this team for a while, probably until, until somebody else gives them a reason to cut him. Uh, but other than that, and, and Darian Kennard, I don't think there's any other major surprises other than the guys that we already knew. Like Cornell Powell had some nice moments this preseason, but he is a late round pick who is just kind of stuck around on the Chiefs practice squad. And in that deep wide receiver room, we knew he just wasn't going to make the roster. Maybe he's still a practice squad candidate, but I would have to imagine the Chiefs are probably just moving on from Cornell Powell at this time. DiCaprio Boodle is another name we just talked about uh, that was uh, waived. Uh, he's the cornerback who was the loudest man in training camp, the guy in the middle of all the the kerfuffles that came up, but also uh, the guy who got the biggest cheers when he got an interception in the, the third preseason game. So uh, clearly somebody that's that's been a big part of this team, uh, at least uh, at the bottom end of the roster, could easily be a practice squad candidate. Well, we got a 53, and we got an answer on Chris Jones, at least for now. Um, yeah, that's gonna yeah. that's gonna be interesting over the next week or so. Uh, watching how that unfolds. Um, I don't know. I, I'm pretty confident Chris Jones is gonna miss games to start the season now. Yeah. All right. So yeah. as we talk about the offensive line, looks like Mike Caliendo made the made the roster. This is a, a player that a couple folks had had talked about that they liked last season as he came in as an undrafted free agent um unless i'm missing something it looks like he made this initial 53-man roster over <laughs> the man we just talked about darian canard i just think that it can, like 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 steven said like canard just didn't sit didn't take a big enough leap forward like you could tell the struggles he had last season and you kind of still seeing those those struggles shining it shining through this year like it just wasn't the big leap that you would have liked to see definitely with all, you know, that, that, you know, even being a late round pick last year, there was a kind of a lot of talking hype around him coming in, definitely trying to be that right tackle, but eventually everybody knew he probably would get moved to guard, but you just haven't really seen him take that, that, that step forward. Yeah. I, I think with Kennard, it, it, it was that thing where it was always like, it's kind of too small to be an NFL tackle. Um, and then, you know, transitioning to guard. And I think he played some guard in the preseason and just didn't look particularly good there. And, you know, we know the chiefs are kind of stacked on the interior of that offensive line anyway. So it was just always going to be uh, rough for Darian Kennard to, to make it. I'm surprised that he didn't stick around, but yeah, I just don't think that he had shown the signs of improvement that they look for in that kind of guy to, to make this team on what's probably the deepest chiefs roster that we've had in a long time. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. Instilling in them a love for learning 
and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. But a couple of noteworthy cuts and keeps, if you will, for the Kansas City Chiefs as they break camp and get ready to start the NFL season. I have four names written down here, so just have what you will with these four names, Mark, and then I'll, I'll deal with who's left. All Justin right. Ross, Shane Buchel, P. Ryan and Kennard, the noteworthy cuts and keeps. Who's most interesting from, from that bunch for you? I would say Kennard, a guy that you took a flyer on in the mid rounds just last year, I believe, not too long ago. And, yeah, last year. You know, yeah, I think uh, there was some thinking that he could be a, a future staple of that line, uh, maybe down the road, a guy that you can develop another late round, mid round offensive lineman that Brett Veach potentially found a sleeper in. So I think that was probably the most surprising for me out of all the, the names you just mentioned. I think Shane Buchel is a close second. Uh, I do believe that last game he played probably was the nail in the coffin for his era here in Kansas city, just too sporadic. I think uh, you want a more of a guy that's more stable and not going to take too many risks. That's just going to just go through the motions and not act like you're Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> every chance you get and try to do too many things out of structure. I think that's probably his problem there, but he was a big, uh, there he was close to Mahomes. They were friends. He's a Texas guy as well. So that did definitely surprise people. I think we all agree that Justin Ross, we knew he was gonna make the team after a while, you know, but back in April, we didn't think that, you know, it, it was a step-by-step <laughs> step, step step process to say the least. But I think as time went on, it was pretty obvious that, they're going to keep him around and have seven receivers. And then uh, Piron, I'll touch on Piron real quick too. Um, he is back on the practice squad though. I thought uh, that run though, I, I thought that run second yeah. preseason game where I guess the dump off pass where he makes that extra effort. I thought that yeah. was one of those things where maybe it kind of turned things in his favor, if you will. Yeah. And the question was, will you keep four running backs? Because they were not going to cut CEH as much as Chiefs Kingdom probably wanted that to happen. So it wasn't going to be a third running back with Piran being RB3. who'd have to be RB4, but they decided to keep three on the 53-man roster. But I'm actually surprised he didn't get picked up through waivers. So he is back on the practice squad. I don't think Justin Ross technically files in as a surprise, obviously, but I'll say it was definitely noteworthy. I think this is the punctuation yeah. to a story that we've kind of been writing for a while here. And I had some Chiefs fans chime in in my mentions because like you like you said, like earlier this offseason, it was still a no for me. It was still not still not sure how he fit in the entire picture. Yes, I think you never like to see guys get hurt, but Kadarius Tony kind of getting injured and the uncertainty surrounding his injury and Ross's emergence not only allowed him for more reps in camp and reps in practice and get familiarity with the offense and and get the opportunity of the void left behind by Tony. But quite simply, you know, we don't know when KT is back. Right. So you need to find other guys that will be able to fill in in that spot. 
And Ross pretty much did everything he was asked of in the preseason. I, I, I tweeted this out after the fade touchdown um, because that was just that was exactly what they're hoping for from him. Right. And, and Brett Veach kind of gave voice to this a little bit. We'll get to the sound uh, here in a second. Brett Veach talked to the media on Wednesday uh, about Justin Ross and kind of his growth here. That red zone package where, where they're along the goal line and we saw them kind of use a lot of the stuff for Jody Fortson. Um, that's kind of Justin Ross's role entering this year. I, I hope I didn't step on Brett Veach. Let's hear what he had to say specifically about Justin Ross cracking in, making the 53-man roster in Kansas City. I think um, first go back, credit to the kid and credit to our training staff. It, you know, came here last year and had some injuries at Clemson and then had kind of another injury that progressively got worse here last year but our docs identified it right off the right off the bat and shut him down and we just really you know put our trust in 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 the kid and our training staff to get him to where he needs to be did that came out here in OTAs and it was a little bit of a feeling out process and then I think like halfway through the OTAs you can really start to see him get that confidence up and that you know that belief up and he's just progressively gotten better and um you know with these young guys is as all of you guys know, I mean, there's so much verbiage in this playbook and there's so much dialogue and then there's so many, um, you know, tweaks to every assignment in regards to where they align and how they look at coverage and how they alter routes. And so it's, it's super complicated. And these guys over time start to figure it out. I think we'll see a big jump with sky. Um, and I think what you'll see from both Justin and Rashi as, as the games go on, um, you'll see them probably have certain packages and that will bleed into, you know, hopefully they continue to grow and progress and produce on the field. And that will lead in, in, you know, to more utilization within the offense and then graduating from a package player to an every down receiver. And I think the hopes with all these young guys are for them to just gradually make that transition. And, and um, you know, I think we have a bunch of guys that are candidates to do this on this um, on this roster. And I think in the in the meantime, coach does a great job of finding what they do and putting them in positions to win to to, to gain their confidence and to help us on on game day. And like I said, if they're able to do that and then naturally progress over the volume they can handle for you know full course of a season. I think that hit on it right there. Kind of a long bite, but he got to it at the end. Justin Ross comes onto this roster as a guy who has a specific set of plays that they and situations that they see where he can impact the game. And then from there, he blossoms into fitting what they like to do scheme wise and the sky's the limit. But he breaks on initially right here as, in my opinion, that Jody Fortson type role where he's in the red zone, size, athletic ability, uh, go make a play. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. He'll be a goal line guy in the red zone using his size. He's the only receiver on this team that has that ability for jump ball situations. You know, you don't really see the Chiefs do those fade routes in the end zone more. It's you know, reverses or some little trickery, but just to have that guy that can go up one-on-one and you can trust him to come down with the ball is another another added dimension to this Chiefs offense that I'm really interested to see incorporated this year. And then Brett Veach mentioned about, you know, guys going from just being in certain packages to being every down receivers. And I made me think, I think out of the seven receivers that you have right now, I think you can only say, at this moment, there's only three guys that I think are every down receivers, and that is NVS, Sky Moore, and the much maligned Justin Watson. Ooh, you, you know you're the that? one who you're the one who maligned him. By the way, I just want to make sure I put that out there. I'm not the only one that has maligned him, <laughs> but those are the only three guys that I feel like a. NVS and Watson have experience in chemistry. They've been in the system. 
and then Sky Moore's in year two, and you know, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about how he's supposed to make a big jump this year. And I think those are only three guys right now I can comfortably say are every down receivers right now. I can't argue with you there, and hopefully I'm keeping up Wi-Fi-wise. Let's move along because there were some tough decisions that had to be made along the – you mentioned it, the quarterback room only kept two there, and then the running backs as well. Some positions a little bit thinner, maybe because there was a little bit more in some areas that people didn't necessarily expect. There. Four linebackers last year. Casey keeps six on the initial roster this year. Um, and uh, then 10 neat. offensive linemen as well, which I thought was very interesting. A number that necessarily or that definitely jumped off the page when I first saw it 10 offensive linemen and six linebackers. Of course, this was covered extensively on Arrowhead Pride. And this is an expert from an excerpt from a story that was written. Let me make sure I get to give him the guys some credit. It was Rocky, of course. Rocky does great work for AP, right? Considering that Kansas City kept just four linebackers a year ago, it's easy to see why the team couldn't retain Michelle and just how much sway Dave Tobe has over roster decisions. The Chiefs also could be thinking without star tackle, def defensive tackle Chris Jones. They will need as many bodies as possible in the second level to stop the run. Six linebackers. 10 offensive linemen. We've already started off this podcast saying that, you know, the, the 53 is a living, breathing document. But for me, especially with Andy Reid has been known to do in the past, uh, a, a little bit surprising specific to the linebacker position. I knew Drew Tranquil and some of those guys would be kept in, but I wonder if these are just depth guys that are on there or possibly for moves later. What are your thoughts on those specific positions being a little beefier? Yeah, I think it's just depth. Um, this this roster is very, very talented. I mean, you're looking at the practice squad. I see some guys in there I thought could have made it to 53, like a Matt Bushman, for example, or Ian Piron that we just mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah, but I, I think it's just depth, uh, especially about the offensive line. I think uh, you're still scarred from what happened in the Super Bowl a few years ago against the Bucks. So <laughs> I, I, I really think uh, that has a lot to do with it because you can never have too many guys to protect Patrick Mahomes that you trust. So I, I think that definitely plays a part in that as well. How about some wheeling and dealing that was done as well? That's part of this whole process, and it was different this season specifically because of the cut-down day only being one. Brett Veach asked about that, went on the Wednesday presser, said, hey, I'm going to be honest, it was a little bit more difficult to make deals, but the Chiefs still managed to make two separate deals. Here's the details. One behind the wide receiver room, which we already knew it was crowded, and Amir Smith-Marset, who had been making plays consistently throughout the preseason for Kansas City, lands in Carolina, who's dealing with some depth issues at wide receiver for a swap that involved 2025 seventh-round picks. And then with Kansas City dealing with, of course, the ongoing holdout of Chris Jones along the defensive line, the Chiefs make a deal in division for Raiders D-tackle Neil Farrell Jr., uh, fifth, uh, excuse me, a fourth rounder last year in, out of the 2022 draft, played in just nine games as a rookie and was actually spent the early weeks of training camps on the non-football injury list before being activated on August 9th. Let's hear from Brett Veach first about kind of the deals 
All right, sir, to cut this, I forgot you told me what, what it specifically was about, but it was about a trade specifically, and then we'll give our opinion on the on the trades. It was really tough because we had a, a bunch of, of young players, a bunch of talented players, and a bunch of players that um, provide different, you know, elements to the game for us. And, and you know, you talk about Amir, and he was a guy that took advantage of every opportunity, and it goes back to what Coach always says, you know, one, you know, take the decision out of our hands. And then two, you know, this is also an audition for all 31 teams. And, you know, Amir certainly made the most of that opportunity. Um, you know, we typically keep five or six wideouts. And then with the progression of, of Justin Ross and then having Amir, Marsmet, Amir Smith-Marset come in here and answer the call and make plays every preseason game, um, credit to the kid. And, you know, when I called to talk to him, to tell him about the trade, I told him that, uh, you know, he's earned this and he has a chance to not have to worry and stress on that cut down day um, because, you know, I mean, when the team trades for you, you, I mean, you know, you made a roster and and not only that, but I think, you know, he has a good chance to be active. There's, you know, there's one element where these guys want to make an active roster, but then they want to be active on game day. So he put himself in a position, came in here with the right mindset. And although the receiving room was very crowded and, you know, the odds were against him, he just went out and put the blinders on and, and took advantage of every opportunity he had. Um, made it tough on us, but then also showcased his talent to, to those other teams. And I'm sure there was a few other teams that would have put in a claim for him. Maybe they didn't want to trade with us. Um, and then Carolina, credit to them to just, you know, reaching out just to try and to make sure they get him, even though they are high on the claim. And, and now he's a chance to not only be on a three-man roster, but go out there and play and produce on Sunday. So certainly happy for him and um, wishing nothing but, nothing but the best. That was Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach on New Carolina Panthers wideout Amir Smith-Marset. Lego Maego, great username, watching with us on YouTube. Two questions, says Marset. Two sad faces is gone. Sad to see him go. Could have been an asset. Still was an asset because you get something back in the trade and then hits on the other part of this. Thoughts on what the new D-tackle Neil Farrell can do for us. You start with either one of those on that Mark Gunnels. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Nick Farrell here. You know, this is a classic Brett Veach move, going out there, a guy that was drafted in the mid-rounds last year, has some upside, went to LSU, didn't have a great rookie year with the Raiders, but you can maybe assume that a lot of that had to do with the situation that was around him. We know that Raiders defense is really, really bad outside of Max Crosby, so not the best situation for a rookie to go into to say the least, you know, the thinking is bring him here in Kansas City under our coaching, Joe Cullen, one of the best defensive line coaches in the league, and maybe we can fix him, get him right, and max out that potential. So I, I think that was a pretty good move. You know, you just give up a late-round pick. It's worth the flyer. I, I think it was definitely worth the flyer there. So I'm not mad at that, especially with the uncertainty with Chris Jones right now. You don't know when he's going to come back. So just to add some extra beef there in the middle of the defensive line I think was – very, very needed. I don't think we're going to see him on opening night against Detroit, and I cannot believe that's where we've arrived. Uh, Serta, do you think, though, that he'll be in the fold? Because I think I, I, I'm to a point where I'm the most confident that maybe maybe he didn't push this thing to where he's not actually ready to go and he'll be able to play the, the next week. But I think I think he'll be in the fold. Was it like three weeks ago? When Let I me check this. A, a I'm flip. hopeful that he'll be in the fold. <laughs> 
was it like three weeks ago when I posted a clip from the show of BK stating like there there yeah. is no chance he is going to miss it aged poorly. It didn't yeah. age well. It did, yeah. <laughs> when he when he this was when he was in the midst of his world tour of just yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this as uncomfortable and, and stupid as possible. What do you say? Just like you just think I won't or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um I don't understand how you're confident at all that he's going to be there anytime soon. No, I want point. you no hold on, I want you to hear the words I said. I said <laughs> more confident. More confident. This is the most okay. confidence that I, I don't have understand how the confidence has increased from last okay. week. Yeah, Ron, week. explain that to us. Where is right, this no, coming no, no, no. from? So this Why is where are you confident? Like I, I like I'm judging by like how people move, right? And so I think the last two weeks, maybe three weeks, even including to the clip you just mentioned, because I feel like we were in the in the storm, and I would like to appreciate you doing that because it did it did give us some, some clips. I'm here for. I think some people listened. I think some people listened to uh listened to a little bit more once you uh once you Chris Jones retweeted it. I appreciate that. But he was loud. I mean, he was, and now when I look at it, throwing a hail mary. I mean, he was going. It looked like the the thought process was. Let's push this thing and push it. Let's come out almost on a daily basis. Let's do stuff with actors. Let's do different things. Let's go and answer random people. Let's answer, like, let's do everything to make this a story. I mean, my man made first take like three times in a week, just about different things that he was doing. And now, where is he? Quiet. You don't hear nothing from him. And he ain't moving loud anymore. And all of a sudden, he just stopped because it was a Hail Mary. And now it's time to get serious. And he didn't shut it up. Now, I'm sure tomorrow, whenever the next time this is heard, he will have come out and done something. But at this point, he has gotten quiet and he has stopped moving the way he was. And when you combine that with 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 Brett Veach coming out saying we've had communication, we feel and hope this thing can get done with his quietness. Because they weren't saying that when he was just loud and all over the place. But now he's quiet combined with that makes me feel like they're legitimately trying to work on something. Now, I, now listen, I don't know if this this means that he'll have a contract done right now, but at least that I feel like they're at least in a space where they're moving and they're communicating and talking right now. And when he's talking, they've come to some agreement that Chris Jones is not moving and just trying to be chaotic and loud and bring attention to this thing in every way. So that's why I feel more confident by the actions what Brett is saying, and now Chris Jones then calmed it down. That's why I feel more confident. If he, When he was just this loud and cranked up, I'm like, well, hell, there's no way they're having any kind of dialogue, not oh. any meaningful dialogue. If he's, if he's going around here, there's no way we came out and had a great meeting, and then Chris Jones is coming out to random people saying, maybe I'll come back week eight. Not if we didn't <laughs> have a good conversation. So I, that's why I feel more confident because he didn't, he didn't close his mouth. See, and this is why I've shifted from where I was totally with BK. Like, there's no way he's just going to sac- keep sacrificing money like this. Like, we're we're approaching, like, unprecedented amounts of money that you're sacrificing. Like, aside from Le'Veon Bell just choosing to sit an entire season or something like that. I bet there's not very many NFL players who voluntarily sacrifice this much money for to, to try to get a contract. It, we're not even sure he's going to get it at this point. But the reason why I'm less confident about it is because of that silence. And I I think the reason we're seeing him be silent right now is because now it's getting real. Now we got games coming up soon. And if he's out there responding to people on social media, cracking jokes and and acting lighthearted about this, 
Well, that's how you get some teammates upset when they're like, when they're saying, man, we just, we just grinded all of this through training camp. All these guys who are out here grinding up in St. Joe, Andy Reid's difficult training camps all, all this time just to try to get to the roster. And then we get to week one and we're struggling and we're losing football games or something. If we get into the season and they really can't generate a pass rush without Chris Jones, maybe that does help his argument from his agent's perspective, because they say, look, look how bad you need him. You need him on the field to win football games. But I bet there's some guys in that locker room that'll remember that. And I think that's why Chris Jones is being quiet right now, because he understands he's not trying to upset his teammates. This is about, the contract negotiation between him and the chiefs. It's not about him trying to piss off the guys that he has to go play football with and go to battle with on the football field. Yeah. He tried to get his money dog. He don't care. It, 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 he ain't thinking about them dudes that much. Here's what I'm trying to figure I'm out. Just, Ron. <laughs> he ain't thinking about him that much. He tried to get his money. What is the negotiation? Like that, this is something that I don't think maybe we've spent enough time on. Like, what is he asking for relative to what the Chiefs are offering? And who is being unreasonable? Because that, clearly both sides believe the other is being unreasonable. But if you get a neutral observer into the mix, like, who do you think they would view as being unreasonable right now? Because the highest paid defender in the NFL is Aaron Donald. And it's not particularly close. He's He has that contract that everybody wants, right? It's a three-year deal. It's $95 million, so it's about it's almost 32 a year. And for all intents and purposes, it's fully guaranteed. It's not technically guaranteed, but it's kind of like Mahomes' contract where, like, it's not technically guaranteed, but more or less it's guaranteed. It would be impossible for them to get out of it. So Aaron Donald, three years, basically all of it is guaranteed. After that, it's TJ Watt making $28 million. And of his $112 million, 80 is practically guaranteed. That is a wide gap between the top-paid defensive player in the sport and the second-highest-paid uh, highest paid defensive player in the sport. And, Ron, I don't even know what the comparisons are for Chris Jones. And I think that's what makes this such a difficult negotiation is, like, it's not even about the defensive tackles. What do, you mean you don't, what do you mean you don't know the comparisons? I, I don't know. Like, if you're the Chiefs, if we say Aaron Donald's off the board, that is a unique contract for a unique player. And while we all love Chris Jones, and I think you can make an argument Chris Jones last year was better than Aaron Donald, Chris Jones last year was not Aaron Donald in his prime. Aaron Donald in his prime was the best defensive player I've ever seen in my lifetime. I wasn't around for Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, so Aaron Donald's and Aaron Donald's the best player on his team, which Chris is not. Exactly. And the most important, yeah. So if you go by that and you throw out the Donald thing, that's the ceiling for any contract in the NFL. I don't know who you compare Chris Jones to because like maybe it's TJ Watt, but if it's TJ Watt, that's 28 mil. And it sounds like that's not even close to where Chris Jones wants. It's certainly not what Quentin Williams got. Cause he's the second highest paid defensive tackle in the sport. He's at 25 a year. Like I, I don't know who and his the guarantees, guy is. And his guarantees are in the sixties, right? Yeah. It's 66. It, so I, I don't know if million, you're the chiefs. Yeah. What can I offer you that is reasonable without going to the Aaron Donald side of things. And that's why for me, I think Chris Jones is the one that's being a bit unreasonable here. I don't, I don't know who it is. I'll, I'll, I don't know who it is. I'll just say what I would think it is unreasonable. It isn't. If he's trying to jump um, Aaron Donald, the way that basically and guarantees Deshaun jumped Mahomes or how, how Mahomes got jumped and all this, 
if he's trying to do that, I would then say that's unreasonable. If he's up on the, hey, I want 32, I won't budge. I want 31.7, I'm not budging. I think that is unreasonable, especially unreasonable when you're playing with Patrick Mahomes on your team when that when you but that money. I think that's unreasonable as well. But anything really in terms of guaranteed guaranteed dollars and per year that puts him as the second highest paid defensive player in the league. 20 what'd you say 28 is what TJ Watts getting? Yeah. Like yeah, if he it like if he's I don't think it's unreasonable for Chris Jones to request to be the second highest paid defensive player in the game, both in both in yearly salary, how it shakes up, and more importantly, both in guarantees. If TJ Watt is getting 28 and 80 in, in, in yearly and guarantees, Chris, if Chris Jones is asking for 85 and 28.5 or 29, I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't think that's unreasonable at all for him because and I and I know it's because the Chiefs and everything is different, but I don't think that's unreasonable for him to do that. Right. Like like we just sit up here and, and like with the players, we've got the players like the only person that's going to really eat like close to what he should, should get anywhere like close to his value is Mahomes. And if I'm Chris Jones, tell with that. No, like like I, I, I want to like on any other team, Chris Jones would probably try to jump Aaron Donald and some of some teams would do it. Well, none of the teams that, that, that didn't have Patrick Mahomes, some teams will do it. Right. But, but I think for him to ask for that and just, and try to, and them try to try to put him in a box where, Hey man, Travis Kelsey, he ain't getting nowhere near as much as he could have. Like, what you going to do? Like, what do you like? Why are you going to No, I, I think, I think for him, it is reasonable for him to be the second highest paid defensive player. And I to me, if he said, and he in his representation sort of said, that's where I live, and I'm not I'm not budging off that, I personally don't have a problem with that. No, and I don't have a problem with it either. I think he deserves to be the second high highest paid defensive player in the NFL. And I, I think he's that good. Player, not defensive tackle. And, not, not, yeah, not and, and I think he's that good, and I think he's that valuable to the Chiefs. And maybe they just haven't been able to get quite to that number. I don't think they're ever going to get to the Aaron Donald number. But maybe they can find a way to get to that T.J. Watt number. And I think that I would be totally fine with that because I think he is that important to this window and what they're trying to do right now. But then it comes down to the Chiefs would probably be like, well, can we make it a three-year thing where – we can basically figure it out and move off of it after two years. And Chris Jones probably doesn't want to do that either because he's saying, well, no, I, I want to be here long term. I want to retire here or whatever, which is something that he said multiple times. But like the Kelsey thing is unfair because Kelsey has made his decisions and those decisions shouldn't affect Chris Jones decisions in any way. But you don't, you don't think you don't think do. the Chiefs, you don't think the Chiefs are kind of pushing. I, I mean, you don't maybe they have, but like but the last time Chris Jones was getting oh. an extension, Patrick Mahomes said, I set up my contract so they could pay you like, like, like Mahomes thought about the other guys on the roster back then. And I understand Chris Jones wants to get paid. But that shouldn't be on him now. But I, I just think that the Chiefs, maybe they are they are doing that. And that's totally unfair, too. But I think what this comes down to is like a few million dollars. And at some point, it's got to be, okay, well, it's not worth it anymore. Like, we're, we're not 
we're not going to keep having this conversation with you every single every single year because you want a few more million dollars and maybe it's just better if you move on and that's not where i want him to be but it seems like that's where we're at now and and this is ron where i think there's almost two different conversations happening simultaneously like if you're if you're chris jones and you're saying you're battling over a few million bucks all right cool but you've already missed out on $1.8 million in fines in training camp that can't be forgiven under under the new CV, CBA. That's gone. You have lost out on $1.8 million that has been fined from your pocketbook. Now, if you miss games, it's $1.15 million for every game that he misses with the Chiefs. So essentially, after week one, Chris Jones will have willingly given up $3 million for the rights to negotiate his contract. If the gap between these two sides is $3 million, you just gave up your first year of that $3 million gap that you're talking about. If he continues with it and he goes eight weeks into this thing, you're giving up the $12 million. That could be the gap in terms of the guarantees over the first three years. So are you then going to try to work that into the contract negotiations where you're saying, hey, I want my money back. If I'm the Chiefs, I'm saying, hell no. This is your choice to miss these games. And if you're Jones, I could see where you would say, yeah, but I had to do this because you guys were being unreasonable. So that makes it even more difficult. That being said, if we set that aside for a second, how I think age is another factor that we need to be talking about here. Because we have seen Brett Veach move on willingly from players that are over the age of 30. If Chris Jones signs this extension, it would start, it would kick in in his age 30 season. It would take him age 30, 31, 32 and probably 33 if it's going to be a four-year deal, which most of these big ones are. The only guy that is making 20-plus million dollars, more than $21 million a year as a defender, that is over the age of 30 is Aaron Donald. The other guys are TJ Watt at 26, Bosa at 25, Garrett at 24, Quinnen Williams at 25, Khalil Max 27, Jeffrey Simmons 25, Max Crosby 25. It continues from there. So if you're Brett Veach and you're looking at these trends around the league, I'm once again coming to the decision of like, okay, I'm going to pay this guy big time money and I'm going to do it over the course of three or four years. And three years of it is basically going to be fully guaranteed. I've got to get a little something here somewhere in this negotiation, come down from 30, come to like 28 for me. So that way we can make this thing work for both sides. Yeah. And if Chris isn't willing to do that, then like I, I kind of understand where the Chiefs are coming from, frankly. And I say that as somebody that wants Chris to be here long term.